Yeah, yeah, yeah! Come and take a look at the snow. Bright white as far as your eyesight goes. Come and take a look at the fields of snow. I'll just get my coat, then we're good to go. Come and take a look at the lake. Let's have a quick skate before it gets late. Come and take a look at the frozen lake. Put your clothes on, mate. Don't make that mistake. Greetings, holiday shoppers. There are now 106 shopping days left until Christmas, and I think you know what that means. Means it's time for another episode of Christmas Creeps, your one-stop shop for holiday movies and TV shows all year round. My name is Joseph Wade. I'll be your host for this evening. Here with me tonight on this magical journey are my co-hosts, Johnny Five, the human robot. Fuck you. Yeah, uh, I kind of deserve it this week. Uh, and uh, Mr. Bradford is here as well. Brad? How could you do this to us, Joe? This is this is all your fault, and I've never really said this before on this show, but this is really all your fault that I had to watch Four Christmases on Septem- in early September of 2019, which is something nobody should have to do. You, you know, when you play, this is a long con I've been playing, and it finally paid off this week as I finally tricked Brad I mean, into watching Four Christmases. Jonathan is incidental, but Brad I don't, is the real. I don't want to say this is worse than nine eleven, but there's an argument to be made. I'll entertain the argument. <laughs> I mean, eleven twenty eight oh eight. Never forget. Woof. Anyway, yes, we are discussing uh, Four Christmases, which we all definitely watched in the last 24 hours, and boy, are my arms tired. Yeah. I'm so angry right now. Mostly at myself. We, we jumped into this right from the drop, but we have we have important uh, derails to get to first. Oh, yes, many important and planned derails. Uh, first of which, we do have a little bit of uh, upcoming holiday news, which I think we should get to. Uh, before you know, before we really jump into tonight's shit fit. Uh, first I must say the Christmas creep is officially on. I was at Costco wholesale yesterday. Um, it was September seventh, and they had Christmas trees out and ready to purchase. Not not live ones, mind you, fake ones, but still. Wow. You know, and and here I was impressed that Lowe's Hardware had Halloween decorations out on September seventh, but man, they just leapfrogged right over that, didn't they? Uh, I don't even think, other than some candy, they even bothered with Halloween stuff anymore. I think the Halloween stuff comes out in like May at Costco. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, at Target, it really is strange to see the back to school section go up like the day after the Fourth of July. And then as soon as, like, September 1st hits, it's like, oh, back to school? No, get rid of that. Here comes Halloween. Like, there's, like, a half a section for notebooks and pencils and stuff, and then there's the empty Halloween section that's, like, looming over the horizon. My favorite part, and it's honestly proof that capitalism, if you need any other, if you need any actual proof other than all the other proof out there, proof that capitalism is a fucking joke, is whenever you go to Walmart in that, like, one-week period between, like, when they have the Halloween shit up and then they have the Christmas shit up or whatever, there's that one week period where that section is just full of like plastic totes instead because they, God forbid they leave it empty. So they oh, take yeah. all of the, they take all of like, they take all the Valentine's shit out, throw it all away. And then all of the, like the, then there's the clear totes for a week. And then all the pool toys are there instead. Mm-hmm. I guess mm-hmm. it's supposed to be like spring cleaning stuff. 
Is that there? Yeah. Pretty much. Okay. Pretty much, yeah. My, just my favorite. Time. It's like, hey, my all favorite, the stupid uh, shit you bought in here. Yeah, exactly. We. <laughs> you buy all these all this new decorations and crap, and then uh, hey, you're in a market for some place to put it, right? We got you, fam. Like, give me a break. My favorite like transitional period is right in between like the end of summer and the beginning of fall because you get like all the pool toys and stuff butting up against like all the witch costumes and and uh, skeletons and stuff. Oh, all the witches are gonna go to the water park. It's gonna be a great time. Beach time, sexy Joker. Beach time, <laughs> uh, water skiing Elsa. We have it all here. Yeah, I got nothing. I would make the argument that I think Halloween creep is almost worse than Christmas creep at this point. But Why is the that? reason is because there's just nothing in like August to there's... get obsessed with. So you just start the Halloween creep early if you're just obsessed with like there'll be some holiday coming up, right? Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. It's, it's really a good thing that Halloween exists because otherwise imagine how far back the Christmas creep would go. Oh, it would butt up right against the 4th of July. And, like, the whole Christmas in July crowd is not helping matters at all. Here's a question I have for any overseas listeners, especially those in the Southern Hemisphere. Yes. In this, in the in the Northern Hemisphere, um, John already mentioned it a little bit, but basically retailers use this seasonal section. They use summer as kind of like a free space, spring to summer. Where they're like, oh, after Easter ends, they're like, oh, it's spring cleaning, and then 4th of July slash summer. Now, I don't know much about geography or the world. That's a lie. Um, But I hear that your (laughs) seasons are reversed. So what do they do down under when they need to? Do they just put up like winter stuff in that area? I don't know. Please let me know. Also, I assume you do not have... I mean, you have an Independence Day, obviously, or some sort of celebration of national whatever. Uh, but seriously, uh, let us know. I, I would know. say that to, the to, fact to... that they have actual vacation time away from work, like they get time away from work, and they don't get like shamed into not using it, that they don't have to give a shit about the fact that, oh, we're going to get off at 3 instead of 5 the day before Christmas. How wonderful that is. See you guys on December 26th at 7.30 because we got to come in early to make up for the hours we missed. Yeah. More or less. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think Brad's point, though, can be condensed into uh, does the holiday creep reverse itself in the Southern Hemisphere? Well, I mean, you'd still get the Christmas creep in. I mean, it'd just be hot. I mean, Well, sure. But November, I mean, I guess... But... Less holiday creep and more seasonal creep. Yes. You know, so the, I, I would creep like spin to counterclockwise in the Southern Hemisphere then? <laughs> so, so in March, is that when Christmas creep starts in March and it just goes backwards? It just kind of tapers. It's, it's full Christmas on December and then it tapers off kind of in the reverse of up here. Just like how the drains go in the in the opposite order. You know how like water drains in the opposite order, which I... I heard is maybe not actually true. No, it's I don't not. Know. I'm pretty sure it's not. <laughs> Holiday cream. Been... It's just like a toilet. <laughs> it really is. My entire <laughs> life, I've been told a lie about drains. Um, no, what I want to know, which I could probably just Google, but I want to hear from the listeners, is... Well, they can't like, answer. They're not on the podcast. 
Well, let us know in a in a comment or send us an email or send us a tweet. Anyways, do you put out like spring cleaning slash summer stuff with the Christmas stuff? What do you do mm. in that seasonal section during the summer, which is your winter? Where the you know how winter here is always associated with Christmas, right? Or yeah, the yeah. holiday season. They don't have that going on. Winter is just this free space where, you know, they might have other holidays, but not Christmas. What does that look like? Mm-hmm. I, I think what Brad's trying to say is, do they know it's Christmas? Do they know it's Christmas? Yes. Now, I'm, I'm going to reiterate the joke that I failed to make earlier and say, I would like to see, like, a sun's out, guns out shirt, but the gun, like, is a Christmas tree just flexing its arms? That exclusively can... gets worn in the Southern Hemisphere. I think we can make that that happen for you. Alternatively, I did just find a, a, a tank top with a Santa Claus coming out of a, a very buff Santa Claus coming out of a chimney. And it says, snow's out, ho, ho, ho's out, and I want to kill myself. That's not very good. I don't like it. I'm sorry you had to see that. <laughs> it's Also, uh, thing... I'm, I'm going to put it in the chat here because you need to see it now. Uh now now we must know it now speaking now, of things that i want to on see freeform released their schedule for their holiday oh this is just the worst i hate it <laughs> he couldn't even finish the the, the segue <laughs> thanks i hate it <laughs> um it's very yes. bad it's a very bad shirt and if we for some godforsaken reason ever get invited to a panel i'm buying three of them uh, please let me know your sizes, boys, and we will all be wearing the same tank top up on stage. Okay. Uh, Chris, uh, uh, fellow Christmas podcasters, if you are listening, this is 100% a promise. If it's a threat. You send that to me. I will put bear traps around my mailbox so that the mailman cannot give it to me. <laughs> Neither rain nor sleet nor threat of bear traps will keep this shirt from your mailbox, John. Oh my gosh. So yeah, as Brad was trying to transition, uh, let's move into a, another uh, a point of order uh, news item here. Freeform, uh, the the channel o- currently owned by Disney that runs nothing but Disney crap nonstop, just released their schedule for their 31 nights of Halloween. And... Uh, boy, boy, oh boy. Are my arm, boy, are my arms tired <laughs> this, again. This is like... <laughs> I, the only way I can describe this is as an act of corporate malice against the viewing public. <laughs> I mean, it's so this freeform is what was used to be ABC Family. Is that right? Yes. Which used to just be the Family Channel. Yes. Oh, okay. way back didn't, when didn't it also TV... used to be Fox Family as well, or is that a different one? Yeah, that's the same. It, it used to be Fox Family, then it became ABC Family, and now it is Freeform. And it is owned by corporate overlords Disney, who now I think, I believe, own about 78% of all media on the face of the planet at this point. Yes. Most of our corporeal resources are are, yes. are press gained into the Disney empire. Um, This is basically them flexing about all of the properties that they have purchased or hostily taken over in the past year. It feels so fast, but how does time work anymore, right? Right. Um, So the the first and most obvious question is, how many times are they going to show Hocus Pocus? And the answer to you, dear listeners, is nine. Nine times. a full day. 
plus a full day marathon, so nine plus basically. Wait, they're pulling a they're pulling a Christmas story business where they're just playing it over and over again. Mm-hmm. On October on Halloween, a hocus pocus marathon that runs all day, all day. I feel like that would be very tiring. Um, without com- without commercials, that's basically twelve times. Oh, they're running it without commercials? No, I, I'm assuming. I don't know. Oh, okay. I'm just guessing. Um, see, we've never so, discussed the, the the twelve times thing in a row with a Christmas story before. But the whole point that that the the whole point, the reason they started originally doing that is it was before the age of on demand, so that you could tune in into whatever time slot to catch the full movie, right? That was the point of them playing it twelve times in a row, and then some. Some maniacs probably did watch it multiple times in a row because. Oh, it's it's why there are people like us who do Christmas movie podcasts today. I guess, like, but I always it, it all comes from that. Yes, I always assumed it was born out of some sort of well. Here's a good idea: rather than trying to program anything, everybody wants to watch a Christmas story at least once. We'll just play it multiple times so they can catch. Catch it I whenever can't even they imagine may. how dire a version of Hocus Pocus edited down to be acceptable for the Family Channel analog is going to be, though. I don't like, think the thirty percent of that movie is just jokes about like a fifteen-year-old's breasts. Like, what the fuck? Yeah, it's like weird teen boner jokes. It's the worst. Um, wait, but it's, a, it's a TV reviewed... channel designed for young teens, so they probably don't even care. We actually reviewed Hocus Pocus. Pretty yeah. okay, I think. Yeah, last right? Halloween. Yeah, yeah, but I'm just saying, like, like, yeah, the kids are kids, the kind of parents that make their kids watch Freeform. They're going to fucking care a lot. Well, well that's definitely true. That's a buckle up true. because also they're doing Treehouse of Horror marathons. Yeah, the the mightiest of flexes over Disney's uh, recent acquisition of Fox. They're doing four Treehouse of Horror marathons uh, of Simpsons Halloween episodes. And I, I believe I had mentioned I, I was one of those, one of those children who, who grew up sometimes watching ABC Family or the Family Channel, but also my parents were the type that vehemently opposed us watching The Simpsons. So right. that was an actual thing, and I think The Simpsons like, is tame enough now that most people don't even care. Like the culture's moved uh, on from hating The Simpsons. Absolutely, like on undoubtedly, but I'm sure that there is you would some be sort of weird Venn di yeah, you would be surprised, but I'm sure there's some sort of weird Venn diagram overlap of parents who like freeform, aka whatever, and also do not like the Simpsons. That's you know? fair. But all, but those parents who are who are concerned about the Simpsons are gonna throw an absolute hissy fit when October's twelfth and eighteenth and twenty sixth, no twenty eighth roll around when they're do- when they're running the entire Scream series, one, two, and three. Is that I've never seen the Scream series. Is that more of a psych one or does it have some gore? I mean, it's it's a it's, it's a slasher it's, film. Series. It's rated R mainly for the fuck words, is what I'll say. Basically. Oh, that's definitely getting getting edited out. There is sure. no, there is there is some blood. It's not that gory though. There's no nudity. Um, at least in the first one, I've not actually seen the. Well, we know we we all live in the United States of America, so somebody can get shot live on television. It's not a problem. But if you see a boob, heaven forbid. Yeah, good lord, no, no boobs on my TV. (laughs) 
But anyway, so yeah, you get you get you've got your your uh your usual suspects here. You've got your uh, hocus pocuses nine plus times. Um, there's the Nightmare Before Christmas a few times. They're running the Goosebumps movie for some reason, the Scooby Doo movies, Ghostbusters, and then like my favorite little one here is just like slotted right in the middle, just one time, Iron Man. What? Iron just- Man, like why not? I have not seen the original Iron Man film. Does it take place at Halloween? No, it does not. Does it... What is the reasoning? Is it because kids are going to dress up as Iron Man for Halloween? That's, like, that's probably it. That's probably exactly it. Like, little boys like, like Iron Man. That's the biggest stretch ever. Yeah, you could honestly slot in any Marvel film in that slot, but they went with Iron Man. Just... But I guess, I mean, I guess this really cements it as the ultimate corporate flex that they have Marvel, because, like, why the hell else would you not just put in the two Adams Family movies again or something? Like, well, you're and, already and they're doing that. They're, they have, like, a couple of nights just for the Adams Family. You're already playing Hocus Pocus nine times in a row. Why would you just slot one Marvel film in there except for the express reason of we own Marvel now or have owned Marvel for oh, a it's, long it's time? Just a flex. Let's just... That's it. That's all it that is. is. Yeah. This is buck wild. I'm, I'm gonna stuff. I'm gonna say there's maybe some weird thing about like oh kids dress like Iron Man, you know, and that's, all that yeah, does, all yeah, that does that's... is remind you that they don't fucking have Spider Man. Yes. Yeah, pretty much. Because kids, they do love some Iron Man, and this is a channel pitched mostly to kids. But honestly, I, I, the times that I had watched Freeform, it seems like it's a ch- it's a channel pitched at young women. So to put it to like Iron Man feels like they're throwing a bone to the little boys who might be watching this channel is what it is. I mean, I'm gonna throw my mother under the bus here a little bit. Do it. Sorry, Brad's mom. Is the- is the Disney Channel the same thing as ABC Family? Not quite, no, right? There is a, a completely separate channel called the Disney Channel. Okay, yes. that That's the one then. I don't know. I think I maybe have mentioned this on the pod before, but like as a grown-ass man, when I've visited home, I'll rock up and my mom's like watching Wizards of Waverly Place or like That's So Raven or some sort of young tween sitcom? Just, How like, do you describe this? All, all by her lonesome? I'll buy her lonesome. That's that's odd, Brad. I, I, I mean, I've, I I know your mom. She's a, she's a wonderful lady, but that's odd. It's really okay. All right. I don't know. Maybe there's a contingent of moms out there that like watching this these tween sitcoms. I don't know what else to call these things. I, I don't know. That's that's very bizarre to me. But suffice it to say, the Thirty One Nights of Halloween is it's kind of a maddening exercise in just giving the people what they think they want and what they want apparently is hocus pocus nine plus times uh they're gonna get the simpsons whether they like it or not Um, and people love hocus pocus people are crazy about that but it, it it blows my mind though that like they're they're doing okay they're showing ghostbusters exactly twice (sighs) <sighs> which wait do they that's what wait 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 i'm trying to work out how disney owns they don't because it was fox oh yeah they that reminds me. Oh, we need an episode paying. on ghostbusters too yes we do we totally do but mm. no ghostbusters is a sony is a sony product huh as is uh hotel transylvania which is also on this uh the schedule adam's uh, family is warner brother i don't know 
I want to say that's of, right. Yeah. But I mean, so it's not uncommon for this for Disney to license other other films. So that's that's not really that big a deal to me. But like, you're basically throwing actual like fun, spooky kind of Halloween type movies under the bus, so you can play your stuff nonstop. Which I guess is their prerogative because it's a Disney Channel. But uh, it's hocus pocus, man. That's all I got. <laughs> There's so many other good choices that are off of this list is the problem with this list, I guess. I guess so. But I don't know. I mean, this is also a, a channel for young people. I would love to fine. see like chillers be like that do counter programming where all they do is show Rob Zombie's Halloween remake for like 24 <laughs> seven for a month. <laughs> you know, I would be down with that. <laughs> And then throw, just to be as strange as Freeform, throw in just one screening of, of Rob Zombie's Halloween 2. <laughs> one screening of Spider-Man Far From Home. <laughs> oh yeah, we managed to license this away from Sony. <laughs> this Kids has been Spider-Man, the, right? <laughs> this has been the old men yelling at clouds section of the podcast. <laughs> it's only going to get worse, though, because... Uh, we've 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 now spent twenty two minutes discussing this. I mean, because let's we be don't honest, discuss none of this Christmas. shit is actually for children. Children no. don't watch anything except for Nazis on YouTube, so it's not for them. No, yeah, and and Nazis playing Fortnite on Twitch, and that's about it. Heated gamer moments. Oh no, the like the, not, the 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 main Nazis on Mixer now, so don't worry about that. <laughs> yeah. Hey, PSI guys. Uh. Ninja and also PewDiePie, they're both like literally fucking Nazis, especially PewDiePie. I know, Pew- I know PewDiePie was, but I didn't hear anything about Ninja. I mean, um, I, I have to assume I mean, he's a guy but... who plays video games. So I'm just gonna, I'm just making the assumption. <laughs> you know, when when I first heard about Ninja, I was really bummed out that that guy, that rapper guy from South Africa, wasn't like streaming himself playing video games. Oh yeah, yeah. I, was like, yeah. I would watch that. I would actually watch that because he seems like a cool dude. <laughs> So, hey, guys. Um, yeah. Four Christmases, huh? Four Christmases. Hang on. I, I, I got to get ready for four Christmases because this is, this is going to hurt. Thank you. Can check. What you working with? I am drinking a, a Modelo Cerveza. John? Uh, I went to the store before noon today, so I didn't get anything because I live in Wait. one of those states. Wait, really? A, wait, 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 wait. It's a dry wait, county. Wait. Or not a dry county, but it has those blue laws. The blue wait, in our home state, there is a blue law that you cannot buy like beer before noon on Sunday? Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. That is fucking buck wild. Yeah, because obviously no if idea. you're not buying beer, you're gonna be like, oh well, guess I'll go to church. Yeah, that's how that which, works. Welcome to the South, Mon Frere. Which uh, <laughs> hey guys, we're gonna do video game chat. It. Uh, in the latest World of Warcraft expansion, there's a mission where there's a bunch of, like, like, street urchin children that have, like, stolen a bunch of magic artifacts and, like, transformed themselves into dinosaurs. And when you transform them back, they literally go, oh, this sucks. Guess I'm going home then. (laughs) That's cool. That sounds fun and funny. I just, it's just like the... The, I, I never got that disconnect of like, oh, well, I can't buy beer. Guess it's time to worship the Lord. Yeah. Yeah, I get you. <laughs> instead of I just like, instead of just like, hey, I think I could make it to Danville before the buzz wears off. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> so four Christmases, huh? 
So welcome to this... Vonathon. <laughs> so anythusen, welcome to Vonathon, where we're just going to be spending our September talking about the Christmas movies of Vince Vaughn. Of Wake which me up there... when September ends. <laughs> okay, so we're <laughs> we're gonna let Brad just. Uh... It's time to wake up the guy from Green Day. No, it's welcome to Vonathon. Uh, we're gonna watch all t- two question mark Vince Vaughn Christmas movies. I went and did some research. There are exactly two, so you guys are safe at least Thank until at least God. until next episode. We we went with Four Christmases first because I honestly thought this would be the lesser of the two evils, and even then, this one kind of broke me. To I was show not you how, prepared for this one. <laughs> to show you how little research I've done, what is the other Vince Vaughn Christmas movie? Fred Claus. Okay, that's right. I know you've mentioned that before. Okay. This is 2008's Four Christmases. This this came out after Fred Claus, by the way. So here's the list of uh, IMDb lists that this movie appears on. Blu-rays okay. for Sailor Trade, movies I didn't like, romantic comedies except it's in Spanish, 2008, and then 2008 except it's in French. <laughs> that's That's about right. That sounds about right. Okay. Um, so here's here's what we're going to do with Four Christmases. Uh, we used to do this way back in the early days of the show, and we kind of stopped doing it for unknown reasons. I am going to ask Brad to describe the plot of this movie in one minute or less. Oh my god. Okay. For every second that you don't use out of that minute, I will donate one dollar to a local charity. Oh my god. Okay, what's the charity? Do I get to choose? No. Um, uh, to be determined off podcast. SPCA. Okay. Like that works. Yeah, I mean, there, there are a bunch of good causes in the area. So, all right, give me, give me one minute to prepare. I am going to condense this down to its barest bones, but I still have to do its service. I can't just say <laughs> for Christmas, this is a land of contrasts. The end, right? <laughs> this is, this is our way of getting through the plot summary because we're going to be digging into it a little bit deeper but also because to to illustrate how completely threadbare this movie is there really it's really bad y'all all right hold on okay <laughs> all right here we go brad are you ready uh let me take a drink real quick hold on all right okay i'm ready three two one go Bradford and Kate are bid the cranks. They go on vacation all the time for Christmas. They lie to their parents. They're held up for Christmas, and they have to visit all of the divorced parents, all four of them. They have a commitment scare. Then they realize they don't want to be their parents, and then they have a baby the end. Nice. All right. So, yeah, Brad just spent 13 seconds uh, recounting the plot of Four Christmases, which means uh, we will be donating $47 to a local charity to be determined off podcast. So look for that on Twitter uh, after this episode goes up, and we'll let you know where that money went. So now uh, the show's over, and we can all go home. Bye, everybody. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Oh, Steve Weeby was in this vi- in this video game chat. Surprise. Hey, hey Brad, I have, I have something else to tell you uh, related to Steve Weeby. Do you know who directed What's this the, movie? The director of King of Kong? Yes. Do you know because why? Because Vince Vaughn insisted on it after seeing a King of Kong, the King of Kong, which is an insane thing to do. Yes. Okay. So first, first and foremost, uh, the King of Kong, a fistful of quarters, is one of 
at least between me and Brad, one of our favorite documentaries. I think you and I have watched it twice, I think, together. It's just so good. It was so good then. Stops being wonderful and great and amazing. Apparently, some people have disputed its factuality, but it remains one of the best dramatic documentaries of all time, in my opinion. It's just so good. Ugh. It it is Mwah. genuinely an entertaining like sports documentary. I love it. Yes. Yeah. I might go watch it again. All I really know about today, it is the honestly. one dude wanted going around like a casino or whatever, just being like, "Excuse me, ladies, there is a Donkey Kong kill screen coming up. Clothing optional." Yes. You, <laughs> John, you need to watch a King of Kong, and I need to be there because it is amazing in so many ways. This like, was the video game chat I was expecting. By the way, <laughs> this no, this is the sanctioned video game chat. This is right. absolutely the sanctioned video game chat. We're going to talk about King of Kong for a second. From, oh, never mind. I, I I feel like we should dedicate its own like weird spinoff episode that we release later because I got so many words to say about a King of Kong, the King of Kong. It's and I want John to watch it. There's so <laughs> many, so many good characters in this film. Yeah, what? There's like Master what? Billy Quizboy or whatever his name is. <laughs> yes there's billy mitchell um and then there's like oh man i i can't even get into it there's like billy mitchell's toady which is the guy that you're talking about with like the, the the donkey kong kill screen there are basically like two camps throughout this entire film there's hashtag team weeby and hashtag team billy it's just it's the best um you really need to watch it anyway uh, i'm on team mathers <laughs> <laughs> um but so, the best is when they interview folks and it's like down in the bottom it just says like jonathan jonathan arcade game mappy high score holder <laughs> or 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 jim carcassonne ladybug champion it's it's kind of the best anyways um mm-hmm. And then Walt fucking Walter Day going around in his referee shirt. It's the best. I'm, I've met I'm Walter sorry, I'm Day. gushing. You've I've met, met Walter Wal- That's right. Yeah, the uh, screening did... of that here. Walter Day showed up for the screening. <laughs> it was the best, pretty great. Uh, the best, the best story that I've heard about any of these people is one of somebody you and I know, Joe. Yeah, met, one of our friends. Yeah, one of our friends met. Um, uh, Billy Mitchell in an airport. I think it was the Orlando airport. And he asked Billy Mitchell for his autograph, expecting him to like sign, you know, like a DS or something he had with him, some sort of gaming ephemera that he had with him. Billy Mitchell proceeds to pull out a glossy eight and a half by 11 print of himself and sign it and give it to him. <laughs> like from the suitcase that he was rolling around in, because that's what he had in his suitcase. <laughs> oh, it's so good. <laughs> It's oh, that amazing. makes me respect Billy Mitchell a little bit more. He's fucking prepared. Like, like Billy Mitchell is exactly the cartoon character that the movie portrays him as, apparently. Oh, it's so good. I don't... And here's the thing. It's like... It, the, here's the million-dollar question. Does he, like, play it up after the film came out? Or was this man always like this? Oh, I wish we it, could get a sequel. Because there's been so much development in, like, the Donkey Kong high score scene including some of the stuff that happened in the film. It, yeah, it's if just I been like wished, 12 years yeah, since like, that movie like came out. Like I vaguely mentioned, the fact that Eminem is a figure in this scene now. 
Yeah, yeah. Eminem apparently is like in the top 10 or was originally like when the film was released was apparently he's wicked good at top Donkey Kong and it was like in the top 10 at that point. Interesting stuff. All needs to be addressed. Please give us a I know this is like a weird hell world yeah. where it's like monkey paw stuff. Oh, Fistful of Quarters 2 would just be so good. You're going to ask for it and it turns out that the only thing Eric Trump is good at in his life is Donkey Kong. <laughs> You know what? If if it means if it means Billy Mitchell kicking his ass on film, I'm all for it. <laughs> I'd be for it, and then I'd the, respect Billy Mitchell to a whole new level. The point is, based on the success of that film, Vince Vaughn hired Seth Gordon, the director of that film, to make Four Christmases. Here's the other question: If King of Kong didn't exist, does that mean Four Christmases wouldn't exist? This is like a weird thing where it's like every light casts a shadow sort of deal. It's like a weird it's George like, Bailey thing where like if if, if this movie or if uh, King of Kong never existed, like if, if Steve Weeby had never gone to, you know, compete in Donkey Kong, would we get Four Christmases the way it is now? That's a good question. Or would we get it at all? And that we would still get it because question. Vince Vaughn was the producer, and guess who the executive producer was? Who? Peter goddamned Billingsley. That's right, because Peter Billingsley and Vince Vaughn are like best buds. We'll, we'll be seeing that fucker in a couple months, I think. Oh, uh, we, <sighs> we'll be seeing plenty of him. But also because the, he's best buds with John Favreau, who is also in this movie, and is also, ironically enough, the director of Iron Man. <laughs> huh. But, uh, so yeah, this was a movie that was produced during the 2007-2008 Writers Guild strike, which I feel like is the sole, it shows, it's the sole one and only reason why most of this film is just Vince Vaughn talking to himself for 88 straight minutes. It is, it is dire, folks. It's, (laughs) it really is just... This is the like this is the reason I di- I really dislike Vince Vaughn as an actor because this is kind of all he does. I think uh, this is the first Vince Vaughn like vehicle that I've seen actually. Honestly, I mean like between like this and Wedding Crashers and like fu- in the future we'll see Fred Claus like he kind of has made his name as a comedian who just will not shut up and improvs like crazy because that's what he thinks is funny and it just kind of grates on me like nothing else because i the all i want is for this man to just please stop talking and he will not he, he i persists. mean you say that but like even the moments where they try to make like dead air funny in this movie somehow he manages to make it on funny and I don't know, like, I'm a big fan of awkward dead air in movies used as, like, a comedic comedic prop, but I don't know, man. I have, a, like uh, a, I have a, a Hell World proposition for you. What's I'm that? For it. Just to show that, just no, no matter what Hell World we live in, we could be in a deeper level of Hell World. What if one of those movies that's basically sold on Look at All the Improv we did because we didn't write a script like Anchorman or the Ghostbusters remake... What if Vince Vaughn was one of the main characters in one of those? I mean, wasn't he in, what's that terrible, like, funny people or something? I mean, he was an anchorman, but imagine if he was was Ron Burgundy. 
Ooh. Or imagine if he played Peter Venkman in a Ghostbusters remake. That is like scarily Ooh. like I can actually see, picture that. Like everyone, like when they were talking about remaking Ghostbusters, the name that kept popping up was Ben Stiller, which is he. Ben Stiller is like the professional version of Vince Vaughn. I think <laughs> he does the thing that Vince Vaughn wants to do, but he actually knows how to do it. Oh, that's so, so choice. Yeah. I'm imagining a Ghostbusters where it's like Vince Vaughn is Vankman. Ray is Owen Wilson. Done. Like you, they didn't have I, enough money for four Ghostbusters. Yeah. You're done. This is, this is all very inside baseball, but I actually have newfound respect for Owen Wilson. Did you see that uh, quote that was attributed to him about Woody Allen earlier this week? No, I missed it. He was basically like full on, like burn it down, fuck that guy. It was pretty good. Yeah, because he was in a couple of Woody Allen films, wasn't he? He was in yeah. uh, Midnight, Midnight in Paris. He so, pulled I mean, no punches, him. though. Check it good out. Yeah, meanwhile, Scarlett Johansson is just kind of like, no, nah, I liked working with him, therefore he's not a sex predator. <laughs> he's not a sex pest oh boy so for christmas is like among the other problems with this film is like it sets up a relationship between these two characters that is i'm not gonna say untenable because there are lots of relationship styles in the world and many of them work but it sets this one up as like inherently fundamentally broken and that just rubbed me the wrong way like it's it's, it's totally worst. okay because Vince Vaughn and Reese Witherspoon in this movie are like, they're a couple who have been together for three years, and they're not interested in getting married, and they're not interested in having children. They just want to do their thing and have fun. But and this is also it. a movie, everyone looks like, like they're lepers when they say they don't want to get married or have children. Yeah, that's the biggest problem with the view of this movie. Oh, well, yeah, yeah, I was, get, I was getting there, but okay. Yeah, no, sorry, go ahead. We, we stomped on your stomped on your stuff. You stomped on my my my, my wonderful point. Any anywho, but like it presents that as like inherently broken and and oh you know one of these days you'll come around to it, which is exactly what happens. But like I, I there like I, there are people in my own family who had decided never to have kids and they just like oh we want to be old people who get to go on cruises twice a year, and that's perfectly fine. If that's perfectly valid, there's nothing wrong with that. But this movie says, like, no, there is something wrong with you for wanting to do that, and that bugs it, me. It paints them as sociopaths, and that's totally yes. the wrong tack to take for people, two consenting adults who have made a choice to live their life the way that they have. Mm -hmm. It's oh, it, but it's it's trying to have it both ways too, because it's like at the same stroke, it's so like. Oh, this movie bugs me in a lot of ways. Like, so Where it's okay, like so it's the, like having a family is terrible. Having children is is a traumatic experience, but you're gonna want to do it anyways it's because it's happen, so you might as well get used to it now. And I say this as somebody who is uh, full disclosure about to have a child. I'm excited, also a little terrified. But this movie's like world. Oh, it's just it's so trying to have its cake and eat it too, and it's just the worst. Like, the half of this movie that was written apparently was <laughs> written by someone who is in what—it must have been in a relationship like this, because that's the only excuse. Or, I, I don't know. But, like, okay, so the, the inciting incident in this film is that they decide—it's basically Christmas with the Cranks all over again. Like, they decide they're going to go on, like, a tropical vacation to Fiji— for the holidays because fuck our families our families are terrible we don't want anything to do with them and also hey it's fiji 
But the problem Which is, is like, they're, they're lying to their family every year. They're not just being like, yeah, we decided to do Christmas and blah, blah, blah this year. It's that they're just like, oh, yeah, no, we're going to, uh, uh, we're going to... Deworm orphans. Yeah, we're, yeah, it's like, you know that, you know, that out of snarving child? We're going to go find that child and feed him. <laughs> so... And let's talk about the terrible reporter woman that ambushes people without any sort of, like, disclosure agreement. Yeah, like, I wanted to push, because like, if right she bumper didn't, to punch her. If she, if like she didn't exist, <laughs> this whole film would not exist without this this pushy reporter woman. So the the plot is... I went over it in 12 seconds. That's really all you need to know. But if you want to know more, they live in San Fran and there's a, a fog bank that rolls through because who could have predicted this? Oh, let's talk about and IMDb she... talking about San Francisco now. Oh, oh is okay, that yes. the, is this the IMDb nugget that you wanted to share with no, us? No, this is a different one. This movie is okay. ripe with IMDb shit. So here's the thing. It doesn't get foggy like that in San Francisco except during the summer, according to IMDb. So that's fucking stupid to begin with. And then <laughs> also on top of that... Unless they lived in, like, Sausalito, there is no fucking way they're driving over the Golden Gate Bridge to go to the airport. (laughs) (laughs) The Golden Gate Bridge is what you take to leave San Francisco going north. Fair enough. And I think they they cross it twice in this this film. I don't know. I don't live on the West Coast. Oh, speaking of West Coast, more fun. So at one point we see a character with a thing of Hellman's mayonnaise. You can't get mm-hmm. Hellman's in California. That brand is called Best Foods west of the Rockies for some god-awful reason. What? There's a whole nother, like, Hardee's Carl's Jr. continuum that I didn't know about? Yeah, for, for mayonnaise. <laughs> you, for mayonnaise. You, you truly okay. learn something new every day. You, in, in, the, in the split second you told me that, I, an entire film script just entered my brain, and I need to get it out right now. Hit us with it. it. It's basically Smokey and the Bandit, but with mayonnaise. <laughs> can you please instead? Of, can you please put this as the quote of the movie, like on the promotional Smokey image the for this episode? Smokey and the Bandit, but with mayonnaise. Like I'm picturing a film in my head where like a Burt Reynolds type is trying to truck a an entire shipment of Hellman's mayonnaise across the Rockies to get it to California where they don't have Hellman's mayonnaise. They, they, have be- they have best food, but it's the same thing. But it's just, I, I'm just imagining it's some rich eccentric billionaire who's seen like, heard the Hellman's jingle too much and has just become obsessed with it. Like, or you know what? Let's let's just let's let's, let's uh, tweak it a little bit. It's not Hellman's, it's Duke's because Hellman's is a bastard mayonnaise. <laughs> and some rich crazy person on the West Coast has to have his Duke's. You know you're listening to three white guys when we have an opinion about mayonnaise. <laughs> what what brand of mayonnaise is best? You heard it here first, folks. You know what? There's we have no shame in it. There's no. Oh, shame I'm here. from the Midwest, you, so I think the answer has to be Miracle Whip. All right, I'm gonna throw my my <laughs> my mayonnaise opinion into the ring because I'm a f- huge fucking weeb. Mine's Cupy. I always use Cupy mayonnaise. Oh, I fucking hate Miracle Whip. So yeah, that's no, that's just that's just. That's the reason I moved from the Midwest, I guess, to get away from Miracle okay. Whip. <laughs> to get away, get away from, from the those... blob that is Miracle Whip. From Fluffernutters. Fluffernutters use marshmallow fluff, and they're from Massachusetts. Oh, wait, Miracle Whip's not. Did you not think? Did you think fluff? it was a peanut butter and Miracle Whip sandwich? Look, look, I don't know anything about like these weird white pastes that people put on sandwiches. I don't do that unless it's horseradish sauce. 
You're all psychopaths. I, I, I can tell you all from experience. Uh, I, Brad is like the least white white person I know. Fucking making Kool-Aid without sugar and making fluffernutters <laughs> with mayonnaise. I forgot, about, I forgot about the Kool-Aid thing. Oh, man. What? <laughs> Remember there was an episode way back where you told us you used to make Kool-Aid without sugar? Yeah. And we're like, no, the Kool-Aid mix doesn't have sugar in it. I thought it came with the sugar in it. It was fine. You could buy it with the sugar in it, but if you get those little packets, though, there is no sugar in that. I think we bought the kind that has sugar in it. In my defense. It was wicked sweet. I'm trying to retcon Christmas creeps. I don't know. All I'm saying is one of my favorite Brad memories of all time is when I made Brad eat a sandwich... That was con- that consisted of white bread and liver pudding and Duke's mayonnaise. And you looked, turned to me and said, this is the whitest thing you've ever done to me. It was. It was. <sighs> it was fine. So speaking of white bread, four Christmases. <laughs> yes, because other than the what, the church scene? I don't think there's a single brown person in this entire movie. Yeah, really, pretty much. Let's Let's talk about the church scene for a minute. Okay, because this is a, this is about as as actual legit Christmassy as this entire film gets. So uh, Reese Witherspoon's mom, played by Mary Steenburgen, is apparently getting it on with her her pastor, who is Pastor Phil, who is played by country music singer Dwight Yoakam for some reason. <laughs> yeah, it's this movie has a very weird supporting cast. It's a lot of people you've heard of, which is very strange. Isn't it yeah. the, the two MM, like fake YouTube MMA fighters that are Bradford? Oh, by the way, I don't think I mentioned the main character's name in this movie is Bradford. Yeah, which that's how you know it's a fake name because that's nobody's real name. It is not my real name. That is <laughs> full, full real disclosure name. here. I know. No, it's it's a well, stage name it's or also, nothing. And it also is not his real name in the movie because his real name is Orlando because all. Because, Vince Vaughn and his three br- his two brothers were all named after the cities they were conceived in, which is terrible. Rog- I read Roger Ebert's review for this movie, and his entire review was written as the p- the studio pitch for whoever had to pitch this to an executive. <laughs> God bless him. And he he mentions uh. the fact that uh, this movie movie features two country western singers who do no singing in the film at all. It's like yeah. a is, disturbing number of like Oscar winners as well. Yeah. Like each of the four parents is an Oscar winner. So um Brad's dad is played by Robert Duvall. His mom is played by Sissy Spacek. Uh Kate's dad is played by John Voigt, and then Kate's mother is played by Mary Steenburgen. So do you you think they just had a giant bag of money that they had sitting around because they didn't pay any writers because of the strike? So they're just like, let's get some let's get some some Oscar Oscar guys and gals in here. I think that's a that, that's fairly possible. Yes. So let's let's back it up a minute. Okay. okay. Let's go over the archi- There, each one of these houses sort of follows an archetype. So we're going to go over that really quick. Each one of there's four Christmases because each one of the sets of parents are divorced, so they have to visit all four houses over Christmas. Oh boy, <laughs> and it, it's it sure is convenient that they all live in the San Francisco area. Yeah. So first you have friggin' like hillbilly hick parent 
and and relatives that live somehow miraculously miraculously like i guess the point is like they have to drive super far out into like the countryside of california to do this but like central i guess it's supposed to be central value but they're in the hills it's so confusing and i hate it it's he's like it's also be it, beside the point <laughs> he's like you you, you, you I'm, a, I'm driving a combine but it's like you're not in the central valley dude I, I don't it's know. Just, it's just like this was filmed like five miles outside of Kitchener Waterloo. Let's just be honest. It's <laughs> there's the no worst. way this wasn't filmed it's... in Toronto. Yeah. So first one is is the archetypal like hillbilly hick less wrestle kind of house. Second yeah. one is I guess it's supposed to be like this is the Klaus that gave me the the closest to a panic attack and not in the way the movie wanted me to have. Like Kate's mother's house is like yeah, Kate, super super Christian and also uh super very, sexual and creepy super, and super sexual and very like Stepford wife kind of vibe to it. It's bad in its own way and the third house is is Bradford's mother. Um <laughs> and I think this is this is the closest the movie gets to being funny, I think. Because uh, Brad's mom is married to his childhood best friend, which I thought was kind of funny. That's a, Maybe. That's a, pretty, good, that's a pretty good idea for a joke. Hey, Hank, do you but... still like finger painting? <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the taboo scene, I think, is maybe the closest this movie gets to being kind of funny, I guess. Vince Vaughn still ruins it, though. He just... he just. Oh, it's it. so bad. Like, Vince Vaughn steps all over whatever goodwill this scene has, but um... I won't even break it down. It's not even worth breaking down. Like, it's... it. Don't watch this movie. It's bad. <laughs> this is the best... This is the best yeah, it does. It's John best Boyd effort up, is... They forget to have jokes. Yeah. And then the fourth house, they just forget to have jokes because this is the serious part of the movie where exactly what you expected to happen throughout the entire movie happens. Oh, like... Where they decide... Would you uh, surprise you know that this movie was cited by the Save the Cat dude in Save the Cat as, like, a perfect script? Of fucking course it was. I can't... Oh, my God. You... What is this Save the Cat guy? Save... Save the Cat... Uh, John, remind me, who who wrote Save the Cat? Uh, let me get his name. Um, it's the dude who wrote Stop or My Mom Will Shoot in Blank Check, and that's about it. So you know he fucking knows what he's talking about. Uh, <laughs> so basically, Save the Cat is a, a, a screenwriting like uh, textbook, basically. But it's it's like very okay. famous in Hollywood for teaching people how, like the basic essentials of how to write a screenplay. And Blake yeah. Snyder's the, the writer. Guy. Blake Snyder, yes. And the, the, the name is based on the idea that like... Uh, you know, the easiest way to get the audience onto your onto the side of the char- main character is to have them save a cat. Okay. Yeah. But the biggest problem they with Save s- the Cat is if you've ever seen a movie where a bunch of shit happens doesn't really have anything to do with anything, then about like an hour into this hour and a half movie, all the characters hate each other for about 15 minutes and then they're back together for the end. That's mm-hmm. Save the Cat. Yeah, that's that's romantic comedy like itis going yeah, on there. Like, Save the cat like programs your mini d- movie down to the minute. I'm not even fucking joking. Let me ask this though, because Vince Vaughn saved no cats in this movie. In fact, he didn't do anything. Not n- none of these characters did any single thing to make me root for them or sympathize with them at all. Every single person depicted in this movie, aside from the babies, are sociopaths, and I hate them all. Yeah. Like this movie wants you to 
wants you to side with Reese Witherspoon on everything. Like it wants you to pity her childhood. It wants you to want her to be happy. And it wants you to want her to like decide to have the baby that she may or may not have. She is the most innocent person in this movie, but that does not mean that she is innocent. She is complacent but, in all of this. But that does not explain why it feels so good when a kid drop kicks her out of a bounce house. That it's scene good. is horrifying and terrible and weirdly satisfying. I don't but know then why. When it comes back and she's just like literally just judo throwing children. That was a great scene, though. That was my favorite scene of the movie. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But like when that kid like drop kicks her in the chest, you're like, yeah, you know what? Good for him. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and give the context to the scene that you're describing, just so you know what this movie is working with. Reese Witherspoon is trying to retrieve a pregnancy test that she peed on that she told a child was a marker. That and for the- some reason, they're not allowed to have markers in the house, and she's playing keep away with... I, I can't. It's it's very it's ridiculous. It's very like we need a reason for this scene. We need a reason for this movie. There's not a reason this movie should exist. No. But then it's a bad movie. Yeah, I mean the 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 fight between Reese Witherspoon and a bunch of kids in the bounce house is as as dynamic and interesting as anything that's going on here. And I say that with the scene immediately preceding this being. Uh, Vince Vaughn falling off the roof of a house, which I loved because I want to see Vince Vaughn get hurt in real life, <laughs> in actuality. I mean, that scene was start to finish uh, Vince Vaughn's brothers beating the shit out of him, and then Vince Vaughn's brother's kids beating the shit out of him, and then Vince Vaughn falling off the roof of a yeah, house. Like, How could I, you I kind of love I, you would expect just from general movie structure that the resolution of that would be that Vince Vaughn would just like basically go apeshit and just beat the shit out of all of them revealing that he's not this like you know actually this deep you deep down think. deep down he's just the biggest piece of shit of his brothers he just puts on a better face with his whole like college education and everything like that but that's not yeah, at all what it did can, it's just he just is that big of a wiener basically can yeah, you much. guys speaking of kids beating beating up vince vaughn can you answer me a question there is a joke that is basically word salad that I don't understand that I hope is actually the only le- the legitimate only time that I laughed during this movie just because it was such a non sequitur. Is okay. it supposed to be a non sequitur? Can you explain this joke to me? They they let the, they're wrestling with their brother and they tap the kids in and one of them jumps on top of him and goes Google me bitch and then he goes You might want to look me up sometime Barbara, like. What? Uh, what is the first that? part of the joke is that the kid obviously has a backyard wrestling channel because how would he not? And yeah, yeah no, I got I got the googled me part, but the, the you might want me to look me up sometime, Barbara. I what? Okay, it's it's related to the Google me, and he's calling him Barbara because he's bad at wrestling, and therefore a woman, and being a woman is bad. Oh, That's, okay, that all right, right, because yes. this because this movie came out in two thousand and eight. I forgot. Okay, thank you. Yes. So I this... laughed at that. Let, let me full disclosure. I laughed at that joke because I'm removed enough from this that I thought it was a non sequitur. Like it was like Hamsar speaking. So <laughs> yeah. like it was just a kid repeating something he heard. I That's what I thought the joke was. 
<laughs> you okay, might want to look me up sometime, yeah, sometime Barbara. Barbara. That's what I thought it was. But okay, got it. Thank you. I can cross that off of the list. This is a bad movie. And we don't need to discuss it anymore. Just just, just little nitpicky things that, that bother me about this film. A, uh, Carol Kane is in this movie, has no lines, and plays a donkey during a nativity play. And that makes me angry for some reason. <laughs> Because Carol oh. Kane is amazing, and I still can't believe we haven't talked about Scrooge yet on this podcast, but someday we will. Is it, was it going for the, the weird, like, meta casting joke, like they do in Always Sunny, where they hire a supermodel and make them the Poils, like, weird inbred sister, and they, like, dress her up as you ugly know. as possible and make her, like, not have any spoken lines? No, I think it was more just that, like, they got so into hiring as many people as they could that once they got them all on the set, they realized they didn't have anything for everybody to do. <laughs> we've got all of these A-list actors that we've hired with this giant pile of money. We don't have enough roles for them. Go stand over in the corner and be in a featured extra. Yeah, exactly. Like, it, it somehow bothers me that Tim McGraw has more to do in this film than Carol Kane does. Quick draw McGraw. Quick draw McGraw. What else bothers? All right. Um, I want to I want to f- compare and contrast the- two different IMDb entries. Okay. According to director Seth Gordon, the film's subject is the difficulty all people have of reconciling who they are, the person they're supposed to be, uh, which is why it's so hard to spend Christmas with one's family and why it can engender uneasiness. Naturally, he also felt Christmas was an amazing playground for comedy, and you can see that reflected in the movie because when they're at uh, Brad's father's house. She finds out that not only is he from this, like, shit-kicking redneck family, that his actual name is Orlando, and he's never mentioned this to her before. Um, right. And, but then, when they go to Kate's mom's house, he finds out that a, a bunch of, like, really weird incidental shit that, w- that was funny in 2008, but is kind of just like, what, how was that a joke in this well, fucking it, year? It, w- it was, let's take the, the, the gag of uh your your in-laws showing you a photo album of of your uh significant other in in their childhood and blowing it up as ridiculous as possible yeah it's like it's like she was an incredibly obese kid to the point where she went to a weight camp uh she had a her only friend in high school was um was like basically an out lesbian who was completely in love with her and she never fucking realized it Mm-hmm. Um, this really gets this scene is very spiteful and it makes it even like yeah. it makes it even harder to sympathize with Bradford because he's he's straight up like making fun of her oh. in front oh, he's of having a the ball. family yeah. it's the worst and like, also these people like, are the these people the don't deserve the babies a happy that they that they got for this move this movie in that scrapbook are some of, like, the weirdest, saddest, fattest babies you've ever seen, and it made me feel bad for laughing at it. It's... The baby <laughs> photos are what they are. You can I mean, laugh yeah, at a baby photo. They're baby photos, <laughs> yeah. I mean, let me say this. Full disclosure, as someone who's about to have a child again, babies are not very good-looking right when they're born. Like, I've known some babies, and even in my extended family, where I was like, that's really ugly baby and they end up being perfectly fine looking kids babies are just weird because they've been like smushed to pass through like a bread box shaped hole you know and they yeah and and for the most part they don't have all their bones yet 
they're like weird aliens, so I don't think you should feel bad for laughing at a baby or thinking a baby is ugly because babies are mad ugly for like the first couple weeks. Yeah. All right. You heard it here first. So, to contrast, here is Vince Vaughn's point, um, thoughts on the movie. According to Vince Vaughn, the film's message is that the point of Christmas is to get together with all of the members of one's family, be they good, bad, or ugly, to be thankful of their love, and to, of course, have fun. You know what I like to do with family members that are toxic and obviously no good for me? Maintain contact with them out of a sense of obligation. Also, they have this entirely fucking wrong. What you do is, like, you go spend Easter with one, Thanksgiving with another, and then go see the other two sometime throughout the year, so that at Christmas time you can just be like, ah, we're going to Fiji, and not feel bad about it, because you already saw all of them this year. Also, you're a grown-ass adult. Yeah, yeah, stop being shamed if you really your hate your shitty family. If you're really, if you make this much money and you really hate your parents this much... Like, it, it baffles me why both of these people, other than I guess they're trying to paint them as cowards, have not, like, completely ghosted their families already, you know? Yeah. It, it, it makes me... It, to go back to Christmas with the Cranks, like, the reason pretty much the entire movie happens is because it's Christmas and that's what you do. Which seems disingenuous to me. Like, extremely I'm, so. I'm going to go ahead and put this out here as a Christmas Creeps official line. Yes. If your family brings you stress, if your family is so bad that you have physical reactions to them, you're allowed to not spend Christmas with them because it's Christmas. Right. Yeah, Marie Kondo the fuck out of your family. Yeah. Yeah. Does does your aunt not bring yeah. you not bring you joy into Blessed the trash the she goes? We have to have to do that with my family yet but that is like that is something a reasonable adult should do mm -hmm. anyways one last little thing that bothered me about this film <laughs> one Regarding... last thing there's oh, so I, many yeah things. i have no. i have plenty of things I, nitpicks i want to bring up don't worry okay well then let, let me just put this one out there regarding the game of taboo yes i'm fairly certain ricardo Maltoban is not on a taboo card yeah, you're right. That's I think that was part of the joke. And it was... Th there's Okay, let me break down the taboo scene. I really want to break down the taboo scene. I'm sorry. It is, it is the closest this movie gets to being a decent movie. Yeah. Um, so to set up the context, they are, at, um, they are at Bradford's mother's house. And Bradford's mother is married to his childhood friend. Uh, they're playing the game of taboo, which those of you who are uninitiated, you have to get your partner to say a word, but you can't say a certain number of words. I think there's a game show on television, or they used to be password, it's, secret uh, word. I want to say it's pyramid. Thousand dollar pyramid. That's $10,000 yeah. pyramid, where you have a list of forbidden words that you can't say in relation to this word. So the example is ketchup. You can't say condiment, mustard, hot dog, etc. Anyways, um, they're all playing this game. And first it is, it is Bradford's mother and um, Bradford's best friend, a.k.a. his stepdad's turn. And they go into all of these sex things that they did to get all of the answers correct. Um, and that's, it's not that funny. It's okay. Um, but then we have sort of Bradford's uh, his, brother, his brother and, 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 and step, or uh, um, sister-in-law. 
who we met earlier in the film, who are the kind of people who put spray cheese on crackers as it's in it's cousin Eddie and Aunt Catherine. Yeah. And they are in this is the actually kind of the best part of the movie. They're totally in sync and they get like twelve answers right in the time frame. But they're all incredibly misinformed and really bad. But it's really funny. Yeah, it's like capital of China. Like, oh, Hong Kong. Hong Kong. <laughs> Mexican guy. And then it was, what was it? What was the really obscure person's name? Ricardo Montalban. <laughs> who I'm who I'm guessing, based on the way this film was written, is not even Mexican. I Actually, I don't know. I don't think he is. Anyways. It's it's that sort of joke, or it's like, you put this on wings, you had to do this for me the other day when I was drunk and I had to get home from the bar, like that sort of thing. And it's really funny. It's it's kind of funny. And then they get to Kate and Bradford, and Correction, they can't get Ricardo a Correction, Ricardo is Mexican. Okay. But it's All one right. of those things where, like, the card, if it was on there, it would have, like, Fantasy Island and Con and stuff like that on there, like, stuff you're not allowed to say. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 Still, my favorite one is Capital of China, Hong Kong. Like, just no hesitation, Hong Kong. And then they get it right. (laughs) So good. Um, And then Bradford and and Kate go, and it's just like a minute and a half of pure awkwardness. And they go get a single one right. And it's supposed to underscore that they don't truly know each other. Yeah, because like she says, like, oh, it's it's what I'm the most afraid of. And he's like, snakes, commitment, the sun. And she's like, no, spiders. It's like. Why did you say that? <laughs> like these which, people, these people don't get the fucking game. Is part of the problem, and it and it which it steals all of the air out of the scene. And it's and Vince Vaughn is part of that, and it's he's the worst part of this. Okay. this scene. The other okay, part that, is hang on. That also bugged me because like what we know of Kate from what we've seen of her in the film, the thing that she's most afraid of should be babies. Yeah, but it's not because this movie is stupid. Yeah, it's it's a bad movie. And then the other kind of funny thing that happens during this scene is uh, Bradford's mom, played by Sissy Spacek, is like buzzing him every time he says a forbidden word, even though he's not the one trying to give the clue. It's kind of she's just buzzing him because she can buzz him. It's (laughs) yes, it's passive aggressive and it's it's funny. Yes. This movie could have been one Christmas and still got the point across because what happens at every single Christmas is basically. They go there, have horrible interactions with their family, but then one of them holds a kid, and they're like, oh, kids aren't that bad, I guess. Yeah, mm-hmm. except there's also a running joke that kids spit up all the time. Yes. Okay. But, ev- cool. like, every single one of them basically, Reese Witherspoon starts holding a baby, and she's like, oh, this isn't that bad, I guess. And also Vince Vaughn holding a baby. Like, there's this, like, scene where it goes into slow-mo when Vince is holding a baby. It's like, come on. Okay. And, she, and right. she's looking at looking at him like, oh, maybe he could be a good dad. And then something stupid happens. Can it's we... This movie... We really need to talk about the church movie. scene. Yes. Yeah, we, we alluded do. to it earlier, but we we kind of skipped it. So they, they go to this church. It's like... It's not quite it's, a mega church because there's not enough people there, but it's, it's basically cr- a it's mega basically church a mega church. It's they it's a mega church, but they didn't want to rent out spend budget on it, renting out an entire mega church size building, basically. Yeah, and they're putting on a nativity play, and they don't have the Mary and Joseph. So of course, uh, Kate's mom just immediately volunteers Kate and Bradford to play Mary and Joseph, and uh, Bradford takes this opportunity to just turn himself into an actor all of a sudden yeah it's very bizarre because he's like reading his lines and 
talking about how there's there's so many ways to play this character. Like, how do I feel about the fact that my wife is pregnant with a baby that's not mine? I don't know. Jeez. And it's another one of those scenes where Vince Vaughn won't stop talking. Also, can we just talk about how, like, I, I don't want to say factual because this is about the Bible, but about how not in line with the Bible this fucking entire, like, nativity play is. Like, how much it's just like, that's not what the Bible says, or that's not what happens. Well, well specifically... I it was, that's the joke.jpg. Yeah, maybe. Well, no, well, I don't think it is. I think it's just a bad scene. Okay. Well, specifically, well, that no, they bring out it's a bad scene in a bad movie, but sorry, go ahead. Specifically, like that they bring the baby to the inn and then yeah. yeah. Like they're already carrying the baby to begin with, and then at one point the the pastor refers to Jesus as like the product of the immaculate conception, which is fucking wrong as hell. Go on. The product of the Immaculate Conception is Mary. The entire idea is that Mary was born without original sin so that she could give birth to the son of slash actually literally God, Jesus. That's what the Immaculate Conception is. It has nothing to do with Jesus and everything to do with Mary. This is some, like, General. deep Catholic, like, like basic, it's Catholic fanon, basically. Nobody gives a shit except the Catholics, but that's what it actually is. Gentlemen, I can honestly, genuinely say I learned something today. Hmm. <laughs> So, John, thank you for that. I'm yes. I'm dead serious. I did not know that. Yeah, and I'm the one who's never been to fucking church, so. Christmas facts. Get them. Yeah. What, what else but do yeah, you want to say about this scene? The, the nativity scene ends with, with Bradford up there on stage as, as Joseph just vamping and putting on a show because, like, because Kate is, like, uh, like, she's clamming up and she doesn't know what to do with this baby. This very fat, like, Hispanic baby. Um. And he's just like being an actor and and working the crowd like crazy, and it's very strange. Uh, and I don't know, I don't know why she puts up with any of this. This entire scene is just like it's just it speaks to a problem that happens in a lot of movies where it's just like you as a screenwriter don't know anything about this, but you're not going to let that stop you from writing about it. But you're not definitely not <laughs> going to research it either. Yeah. No, like, no, no, yeah, of like not. obviously the obviously the writer has like seen a nativity play on TV once and is just going off of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the it's the Christmas movie that gets Christmas wrong, which is kind of the whole point of the show. Um, <laughs> but there, there you have it, and it's not even that crucial to the plot of the movie. Like, there's really no reason for this scene to exist, other, other than, than other than to show that Kate is woefully in inequipped to handle a baby. Even though she and may or may or may not want one, I think also the point they were trying to get across is Bradford will like abandon her in a point of crisis, which makes it even less of a good argument for the end of this movie. Like, come on, I don't, I don't know, man. Yeah, it's they, just it's, this it's, movie was mercifully eighty-eight minutes, but yeah, they got together back together because it was like, ah, it's been seventy-four minutes. We gotta do something. Yeah, they they they, they break goodness. up and get together in the space of a scene because they don't know where the middle scene is supposed to go. Like they, yeah. it, he he just leaves when she, when he takes her to her dad's house, and then, uh, literally she sits around and looks sad, and he sits around and looks sad, and then he shows back up again and says, well, "I'm sorry." There's there's a little bit of reasoning, but it's very bad reasoning because at her yeah. at her dad's house, she realizes that her mom and dad still like get along enough to put on a good face solely for the sake of the one grandkid. Right, and because then, like the re- the reveal at her dad's house is that her mom and all of the, all the rest of her family are still there, they still show up. And then Bradford goes back to his dad's house, and his dad's like, "Yeah, you, 
you dumped her. Good for you. You finally grew a brain kind of deal. And he realizes that if he is alone, he'll end up like his dad or whatever. But it's, it's not it's uh, it's not it's, illustrated very well, is it? It's it takes place. Thank goodness it does not stretch out any further. Like you said, it is a blessed 88 minutes. Thank goodness for that. Mm-hmm, most mm-hmm. of this most of this movie like actually a good i don't know the third act of this movie feels like so i think it's like 15 minutes long the third act it's, it's not very long yeah it it, and, it happens because it has to in a movie like this and you, you I there's really no maybe, way to work that you know it's maybe the one bright spot of this movie that it finally gets to the point and ends thank goodness for that <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I I liked it when it was over. <laughs> yeah, me me too. My favorite part was the credits. Mm-hmm. Also, the end of the movie is a violation of like HIPAA laws. Yeah. How so? You're not going to get a fucking reporter barging into your hospital room without giving anybody permission about it. Yes, that and, is the other. So, and she said the, their names. The same she, reporter, like she's going to get sued for like six different fucking reasons. Yeah, the same reporter. So the the joke it's is the they decide to have a sadly I wish it was that would have been better. <laughs> Wait, it's not the same reporter. No the the first reporter was I think an Asian woman. The second reporter was a blonde white woman. So oh, okay. so these two are just news magnets basically. Shows you how much I've been paying attention. Anyways, the joke is that they were like, okay, well maybe we'll have a kid, not nothing committal, and then it flashes forward to a year later and it's New Year's Day. And Kate has just had a baby, and a news reporter, like, barges into their hospital room. Oh, because it's the first baby of the new year, yeah. It's the first baby in the new year, and they're like, oh, we won't tell our parents, we're just gonna let this be our own thing. And then the joke is it's the same thing that happened at the airport, where all of their family now knows about the fact that they had a baby, because of a news reporter that absolutely, A should not be where they are, and B, should not be doing what they're doing, especially if they don't sign anything saying that they can be on television. Like, oh, it's so bad. I hate it so much. It's the worst. But that's wacky. All right. Should we do a crankometer? I'm sick of this movie. I am ready for the crankometer, and I want to escape this hell hell world of ours. Um, So the crankometer, if you're not familiar, is our patented scale uh, which is an X Y axis for how we rate these Christmas movies. The X axis is the Christmas uh, the Christmasity scale, where the Y axis is the quality scale. So, gentlemen, for Christmases, how Christmassy? I am going to posit that this is actually a very Christmassy movie. Christmas is the reason for this. They wouldn't feel this strong obligation to visit all four of their families if Christmas was not occurring. It also gets into a lot of the trappings of Christmas, being with horrible family members, going to church, going, you know, embarrassing present snafus. It gets into a lot of this Christmas stuff. However, (laughs) stay tuned for the quality scale because (laughs) it's going to be way different. To its credit, it does actually make use of a lot of the things that we talk about on the show as being endemic to, like, you know, the Christmas experience, like you said. Uh, embarrassing present snafus. Like we didn't touch on this, but like when they when they go to Brad's dad's house, there was apparently a ten minute spending limit, and Brad ign- did not know about that and bought his nephews an Xbox three hundred and sixty. And this leads to an awkward exchange where his nephews suddenly discover the truth about Santa Claus. And I hope there are no children listening to this podcast. Spoiler alert. 
Well, they, we didn't say what the truth about Santa Claus is. The truth is that he is very real and loves you very much if you're listening to this and you're under the age of eight years old. Mm-hmm. Well, and if I mean, you're over yeah, the age I mean, of eight, you're uh, listening to this, Santa is very real and he hates you. <laughs> the, the fact of the matter is, you're it, it's like Star Wars spoilers. You're not allowed to say a, a phrase like the truth about Santa Claus because that will inevitably lead a child to ask, what is the truth about Santa Claus? Opening you mean up the truth a, about Luke's father? No, it's just like you, we don't talk about Star Wars spoilers because nobody wants to, to be spoiled about anything ever for any reason. Okay. And uh, spoiler culture has, has poisoned uh, entertainment for the world. Yes. And let's just not talk about it. I read an interesting piece about how actually all of this has been brought on by binge culture and how like there's this weird tension between binge culture and spoiler culture. Cause it used to be you had a full week to get caught up on whatever episode it was, but now all of season three of stranger things drops on a day and Bradford still hasn't watched the back half of it since July 4th. Yeah. Like I was still doesn't want yeah, to. Yeah. Like I was finished with stranger things by like July 4th at 9 PM. Yeah, and it's like, but that's I haven't finished weird. the back half of it. And one of my coworkers came up to me and thought I knew the whole thing and was he dropped a spoiler. And I I don't really care because who gives a shit? But seriously. Okay, I, I have your flex. Whenever someone says that, just be like, that's not what happened. What show did you watch? <laughs> that's very good. I'll have to remember that. I'm going to give this a four in Christmosity. A four is not bad. I, I wish... Hmm. Because a lot of this is about, like, the Christmas experience, like you say. Like, if that didn't exist, or, like, awkwardly playing board games with your family is Christmas as hell to me. That's that's very true. Um, You know, I'm trying to come up with an argument against, and it's just not coming to me right now. So I want to say I agree. Like, the only reason I wouldn't give it a a full five is just because of how kind of dopey and mishandled a lot of it is. I think... I, in, in all complete honesty, I think the quality ble- the quality is so bad that it bleeds over into the Christmasity scale. Yeah, I mean, it, it has it's all some sort of quantum with Christmas, but it doesn't really say anything about them in, at the end. Like the moral of yeah. the movie is not anything to do with Christmas. That's it's about you know babies. what? That's true. That's really true. Yeah, and also just the fact that like the uh, Pastor Phil doesn't quite get his 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 nativity story correct. Uh, bothers me a little bit too and i want to say we'll deduct po- another point for that because come on that's that's like the least you can do in a christmas movie although i'm I, christmas I, story right i think i'm giving this movie too much credit but i thought that was part of the joke no i i, I think know. you're giving it too much credit i don't think this movie is smart enough to make a joke about religion i think this movie is just the screenwriter saw a religion once on tv <laughs> Saw a religion once. All right, is, so how can about, you gentlemen agree with me? Four or I want to. I want to say gonna... three. Okay, I can live three. with a three. Okay. I can live with a three. three. Yeah, uh, I mean, like this movie is hardly the first example where you watch it and you're just like, "Have these screenwriters ever actually seen this thing they're writing screens about?" <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think they've ever been home for Christmas once in their lives. They've just heard about it on the internet. Mm-hmm. All right. Quality. They went to a mall and they saw it and oh. they thought it looked kind of neat. <laughs> so how about that Y-axis? How good is Four Christmases, really? 
It ain't good. I'm gonna give it a. I'm gonna just it's throw it out there. Negative four. It's a real stinker. Uh, I'm going to say the only time I ever genuinely enjoyed this film was when its two leads, Vince Vaughn or or God bless her, Reese Witherspoon, were getting injured by children. <laughs> Any other moment felt disingenuous and wrong and just awful to me. It's a bad um, movie. But I, I can't say I didn't garner some enjoyment out of watching these two people get wrecked by kids. Uh, and if they ever make a sequel, I hope it's about Vince Vaughn and Reese Witherspoon having kids and getting wrecked by those kids. <laughs> is it, it going to be called Five Christmases? Uh, 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 uh. Yes, because they have to have their own Christmas with their children first before they can visit all their parents again. Oh, I want to just hark back on one thing, because you're talking about this now. One of the one of the reasons she's afraid of the bouncy castle is that when she was a kid, all of the other kids locked her inside and wouldn't let her out and kept screaming cootie like cootie queen or something at her. And yeah, her mother is the type of like thoughtless dickhead that she's still going to have the same bouncy castle years later and just think it's funny that like, oh, don't you remember when all the other kids fucking hated you and never talked to you? That's yeah, that seemed well, I mean. No, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to try and justify a movie for uh, a, a, poor, a, a poorly thought out set piece like that. No, I'm not going to do it. I agree. I'm not going to no, give this, this movie the option. This is why deserve. you still have bullying, because people who don't get aren't the ones getting bullied think it's fucking funny. Yeah. And all I all I can think of when I think of stuff like this is how on <laughs> I'm going to bring in Game of Thrones for a minute here uh, is how on Game of Thrones, the whole like theme of the first like seven and a half seasons of game of thrones was break the wheel as a way of saying uh sure let's not do the shitty things that our parents did because we don't want to perpetuate cycles of 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 uh, harm and violence and then all of a sudden you know what no no break the wheel literally means just break shit let's just break shit how about that and yeah, they just continue breaking shit and making the world worse. At, at the end, they basically better. decide, actually, the wheel's okay. We just need to make sure it's a little, a, a little, uh, a little more straight on the axle. That's the problem with it. It's just a little crooked mm. on the axle. Yeah, so, like it, it, sh- it should be a metaphor, but no, it's it's in, it's painfully literal. No, we have to literally break this thing, and it it hurts. It kills me. Uh, <laughs> So I guess what I'm saying oh, is, uh, oh no, I'm, actually, I'm totally... actually, no, no, Game of Thrones is now a metaphor for uh, the U.S., which, when faced with the possibility to actually make real change that will make everyone's lives fucking better, the people that with the power to do that change instead back off and be like, well, what if we did incrementalism instead, so we're not inconvenienced, but also nobody else gets anything good, but they think they did. That might be the most insightful thing anyone's ever said on this podcast. Game of Thrones is literally the Affordable Care Act. Uh, agreed. <laughs> Hard, hard agree. Wow. Uh, so what we're really saying here is negative four? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I would give it worse, <laughs> but I've seen something worse today. Someone posted on Twitter a picture of a copy of Elie Wiesel's Night, where someone drew the cool S on the front of it, but they drew the cool S wrong. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> How do you fuck up the cool uh... S? Oh, good I lord. Could, full disclosure, I could never draw the cool S right when I was in, in like, middle school. <laughs> it, it, it eluded me. Wowzers. 
So I this, think what we landed has on. Anybody was... done like a full discovery piece of like the origin of? We really need to find out the origin of the cool S, right? I mean, sure. John just posted the picture in the chat, and good lord. <laughs> uh, another question for any of our listeners that are, good lord, how could you mess it up this bad? Even I wasn't this bad. Um, for those of you listening abroad, I don't know if you have the cool S. Just look up cool S on the internet, it'll come up. It's like this weird brain worm of a thing that everybody drew forever in middle school i guess mm-hmm. if you have any regional variations on the cool s let us know i'd love to see what like what uh, what other cool s's there are in the world absolutely yes the um, wikipedia page which actually is called cool s that it's that is its official name <laughs> as far as i'm concerned says <laughs> see also hino hino moheji what is that a japanese thing it, I'm is, guessing? it is the japanese thing where you use hiragana to make make a face Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. All right. So uh, let's let's go ahead and, and end it right there. So our our official rating for four Christmases is a positive three, negative four. Don't don't watch this movie. Really? Like, yeah. Don't don't don't. And, I mean, I don't I know if you this... remember the Writers Guild strike, everybody, where like everything was very bad improv for about uh, yeah, a good part of a that's year. That's why we got. That's why we got Judd Apatow for like a good six years. I I am and so glad I welcome. was not in the country for the Writers Guild strike. I could just avoid all of that because like I was not anywhere to see American TV. It was dire. It was it was really <laughs> it was, dire. Was I remember really that. Bad. Otherwise, I would have it ended up watching Conan O'Brien spin plates probably. Pretty much. That's pretty much all you had to do. Fuck you, Conan O'Brien, for inventing podcasts and making me be on one. Yep. Pretty much. Speaking of Conan O'Brien and it being this podcast coming out in on near September, mid-September, uh, just everybody feel free to mark your calendars for September 19th. I highly suspect that we are going to get a new Don't Hug Me, I'm Scared. Ooh. Quite excited about that. I can't uh, wait. It might not happen, but that is everybody's sneaking suspicion because they like to do things on the year. Of course. Um... Thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, thank you so much. If you've listened all the way through, we really appreciate it. Uh, listening to us blather on about movies and nothing for an hour plus. This is a long episode. And, and thank you for uh, uh, humoring us as we as we talk about video games in an attempt to not talk about these films. Hey, guys. Hey, John. Do we want to do a trailer Hi. trash real quick? <laughs> Okay. There is a movie coming out called Last Christmas, directed by Paul Feig. Oh, God. Oh, no. I saw this trailer the other night, man. I have not watched the trailer yet. Should I? <sighs> yeah, uh, do it. I'm looking it, at the it, poster. It. The poster is the London Eye behind Big Ben, behind the Tower Bridge, behind Buckingham Palace. What? Hang on, wait. Where does this pl- Where does this take place? Uh, I think it takes place in uh, Budapest, Hungary. (laughs) (laughs) Weird. (sighs) Oh, I think maybe I saw the trailer for this. this. Yeah, it's it's a romantic comedy that purports to be based on the the songs of George Michael. Okay, yeah, I've seen the trailer for this. It looks friggin' terrible. 
there is some kind well, of wacky third act twist that they're not telling us. I guarantee it. Either, either she will have been in a coma the whole time, or dead the whole time, or he's an angel, or a robot, or something. You know, you know what happened. You know what would have made this a much better movie is that if it had taken the song "Last Christmas" literally, and it was about organ, like organ stealing organs or organ transplants. Oh God! Okay, <laughs> like, here, okay. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I want to make a call. This is, uh, this is the Wikipedia blurb on it. It stars Amelia Clark, Henry Golding, Michelle Yeoh, and Emma Thompson, and follows a depressed woman who works in a Christmas supply store. He's bumping into the same man. Okay. My isn't that more? Isn't that more Christmas wrapping? Well, here's here's my call. I'm I'm going to call my shot on this because there has to be a third act twist. Is yeah. that? She is in a coma or some sort from a suicide attempt, and he is the doctor, which is why he keeps creeping in and out of her dreams. You heard it here first. I uh, could, I could buy that. I buy that totally. That's that's um, my prediction. I don't have a prediction because I'm a completely unoriginal human being. I still just kind of hope he's a robot. <laughs> I mean, to original. I'm literally just talking about the B episode of Futurama, except now it's a romantic comedy movie. Right. I mean, really, that's just... John, all I'm trying to say to close out this episode is you really need to watch King of Kong. Don't let this movie inform you about King of Kong. It is it is a great movie, and you need to go watch it. And I don't care whether or not it reveal it, it, it portrays the truth of the matter. It is just a good, good, good film. Yeah, what we're really saying here is, everybody, go watch King of Kong. It's great yes. stuff. It's a good time. Uh, so we will come back in a couple of weeks, hopefully, to continue Vaughnathon as we subject ourselves to <sighs> Fred Claus. Fred Claus. It's, it's going to be great. Okay, y'all. Th- for real, that's it. We've talked long enough about this crap. Uh, that's Christmas Creeps for this week. I'm Joseph Wade. I'm Bradford. Not the bad Bradford in the movie. I'm Johnny Five, the human robot. Have a good night, everybody. I'm going to go drink myself to sleep. Happy Christmas. Good night. Bye. Happy Christmas. Happy Christmas.